So welcome to session 13 of Life Discover, where we're going to be looking at prayer. Now, for a lot of people watching or listening to this who are Christians, you might feel that this is a bit late in the series to be looking at prayer. Now, the main reason this is session 13 rather than session two or three is that we've needed to take time first to understand clearly the relationship between us and God. Because to understand prayer, we need to have that clear understanding of how we relate to God. In particular, that need to understand that he is our perfect heavenly father and that we are adopted into his family to be his children. For those that perhaps haven't experienced the depth and wonder and joy of that relationship, prayer can be sometimes very different to what God intends it to be. Before I was a Christian, my thoughts about prayer would have been based on experiences perhaps in school. Uh, I might have attended baptisms, weddings, funerals, um, and maybe prayer in those scenarios just seemed very formal. It often felt like the person praying was talking so formally, it was as if they were addressing a king or a queen. They would use like a special voice and tone and sometimes would use words and phrases that I didn't understand. Sometimes prayers are read from a book and prayer had to involve closing our eyes and putting our hands together. But when we begin to understand that prayer comes from a relationship and that it's a two-way conversation between a person and God, that changes our attitude to prayer completely. We're talking to the greatest king of the universe, but the way we pray is more like talking to a friend. So it should never feel daunting and certainly not formal because God created us to be in a personal relationship with him. It should be like talking to a much loved family member. And when you talk to a family member whom you trust and you love and respect and adore, you don't come to that person using special language or a special voice or a special tone. You simply talk. So firstly, let's look at why we should pray and then perhaps provide in this short time we have some pointers on how to pray. And then we're going to reflect either yourself or with a small group together on why and how we should pray. So firstly, I think we pray because prayer is a privilege. If you use a loyalty card for a supermarket or a restaurant, you might get some privileges. You might have some money off. You might get a special loyalty gift. Now, when I travel to London fairly regularly for work, there are a few occasional times I confess that I was able to travel first class on a train to London. Uh, there was one train that left Samuel and Dudley very early in the morning that would occasionally have a, a cheap first class seat and would be significantly cheaper than a standard ticket on the next train. And going first class meant that I had a free cooked breakfast and free coffee, which as this train left around 5.30 a.m. in the morning, that coffee was incredibly important. I'd also arrive into Euston about quarter past seven and I would use the first class air-conditioned lounge before going on to my meetings. Now that first on my ticket, it gave me some privileges. Now this happened very rarely, and to be honest, I wasn't used to it, but when I got asked the questions, would you like a free cooked breakfast? Now anyone who knows me well knows that I would never turn down a free cooked breakfast. So for these few journeys, I was in this privileged position and I accepted the privileges. Now prayer is primarily a privilege as a Christian, so why would you say no to it? You get to communicate with a holy, almighty, all-powerful God who wants to interact with you and I. And that's incredible. So firstly, it would just be plain silly not to engage in that privilege to turn it down. And what's also amazing is that God promises to communicate back to us. This is a two-way relationship. The writer of the book of Hebrews in the Bible tells us this. He says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Hear that word, with 
confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So we give our prayers to God, but this is two way and we approach God with confidence and God wants us to draw near to him. He wants our relationship to be strong and solid. And we know that good, solid relationships require communication and prayer is exactly that. It is communication and it is the foundation of our relationship with God. Now, if that doesn't inspire you to pray, let me just tell you a few other reasons why we should pray. Firstly, God's word tells us to pray. Ephesians 6.18 tells us to pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And Paul also says in Philippians 4 verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So prayer is an act of obedience to God's word. And there are so many scriptures that point us towards prayer. Secondly, we know that Jesus prayed regularly. Jesus was God. He was part of the Trinity, the three in one God that we've looked at in previous sessions. Therefore, if he is God, we can quite legitimately ask the question, why does he need to pray? Well, Jesus lived his life to demonstrate to us how we should live. He showed his disciples the power and importance of prayer and that there was a need to go to a quiet place to pray. Luke 5 verse 16 tells that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. We also know that prayer is powerful. It gives us spiritual strength when things are tough or when we're looking for a particular breakthrough in our lives. And Jesus reminds us that when our flesh is weak, the spirit is willing. And that way we get to that place of overcoming the weak is by stirring up the spirit in prayer. Revelation 12, 11 tells us that it's by the blood of Jesus and the power of our testimony that the enemy is defeated. So when God answers prayer, that can show those around us the power of God is here and it's evident. It's here in the midst of our challenges. I've seen people live through some awful things in their life. And prayer has brought them at times healing and relief. And that's a testimony of God's power. But even when God hasn't answered prayer as perhaps we would like, perhaps we've prayed for physical healing. But often the testimony isn't just physical healing. It's the strength of the life that goes through the challenges that speaks clearly of God's presence and God's power. And Jesus needed to pray. He needed to be in community with God the Father. And in that prayer, he received wisdom and power and compassion and peace and all sorts of insight. There are a wealth of resources available to Jesus because of prayer and he opens up those same resources to us so that we can experience peace and compassion and patience and power and and love for the unloved. And prayer is vital to have that same passion and compassion as Jesus. So we know something of why we need to pray, but what about how to pray? Now, of course, this is a question that the disciples asked Jesus. They said, Lord, teach us how to pray. They asked him because they saw that Jesus knew how to pray. They'd uh, watched Jesus. They understood that the key to everything Jesus did was connected to his prayer life and connected to his relationship to God the Father. And of course, Jesus answers the disciples with something we now know as the Lord's Prayer. And you can follow this prayer in Luke chapter 11, verse 2 to 4. So he starts with the words, Our Father. Jesus taught us to address God with adoration and said, when you pray, say, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So the starting point of prayer is, as we've already said, relationship. We want to develop and sustain a relationship with God, our father. That's why Jesus came to this earth, to restore the personal relationship between God and man. 
And the quality of our prayers isn't the words, what we do on the outside, but it's about that quality of relationship with our Heavenly Father. And that's why, as I've said already, our early focus on Life Discover is making sure that we have that healthy view of ourselves as a child of God and a healthy view of God as our loving Heavenly Father. Now, you must recognise that for some, the idea of a close and intimate relationship with God is uncomfortable because we can't imagine how this creator, this awesome God, can love us as a perfect father, loving and imperfect child. And because of that obstacle, because of that blockage, sometimes what happens is instead of coming to God for that conversation, we go into work mode. We want to keep busy working for God. We want to serve or attend meetings. And we seek to please God rather than to pray to God. But these first words remind us it's not about what we do, it's about whose we are. And we are God's children. So it's important to use the words our Father to remind us of that intimate and that close connection we have with God. Not because of our own efforts, but because of his demonstration of love for us. Uh, as we've seen it through Jesus and his death on the cross and his subsequent new life that's available to us because of his resurrection. And then Jesus used these words, hallowed be your name. This means we are in awe of God. We worship him and we honour him above all things. Hallowed be your name reminds us that our worship is for God and for God alone. To worship means to ascribe worth to something and we ascribe worth to lots of things. We give lots of things our attention, our time and our praise. And as Christians, we want that praise to be towards God alone and nothing else. And hallowed be your name is saying we need to worship you alone, God. Jesus then tells us to pray your kingdom come, your will be done. And this is ensuring that our prayers line up with the purposes and the plans of God. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now we've said hallowed, we worship God alone. And we move away from anything that distracts us from God, anything that we worship that isn't God. And then with these words, we say, your will be done. We're saying we're not going to just fulfill our own needs. We're not praying and talking with God out of our own selfish ambitions or our own interests. Now, in natural terms, we don't turn to God. Our hearts and minds are not naturally orientated towards God and towards his purposes. So this prayer is training us to say it's not about us. It's not about our plans. It's not about our ambitions. This is about what God wants for our lives and for the world and for those around us. It's about, as the first few verses of Colossians 3 states, about setting our hearts and our minds on things above and not on earthly things. The greatest joy and fulfilment in life is found in pursuing the will and purposes of God. And here we're declaring that the kingdom of God will be established in our lives, in the lives of those around us, in the lives of those we love, in his church and in the world around us. Your kingdom come your will be done. Jesus then taught us to depend on the Father for all our needs. It says, give us this day our daily bread. So we worship God. We give him the honour he deserves. We offer up our lives. We offer up our will to him. We align ourselves to his purpose. And it's at that point, and at that point only, that we are then encouraged to present to God our needs. Now, some people go straight to their list of needs but look at what place uh, this is done in prayer. It's done in worship. It's done in sacrifice. It's done in committing ourselves to God's plans and purposes. And it is then at that point that we express our dependence on our Heavenly Father. And that's important. And this dependence is for our whole lives. People tend to pray mostly in emergency situations. But this is give us this day. Give us today. Every day. Give us what we need. What we need. Our needs, not necessarily our wants. I may want a sports car, but it's something I certainly don't need. 
And then Jesus teaches us to forgive everyone who sins against us. Now, in a future session, we'll look at forgiveness and the need for us not just to receive it from Jesus, but to ensure we forgive others. Because a lack of forgiveness will often create bitterness and hardened hearts. So part of how Jesus teaches us to pray is to make sure that we know, that we're reminded that God does forgive our sins, but that we are also called to forgive those who sin against us. And then having asked for forgiveness for our failures, we also ask for God's strength to resist temptation and deliver us from all that is evil. Now, every day we face moments of temptation. The world around us offers us so much choice and we need protection, spiritual protection from our Father in heaven as we make those choices. There's no other place to get protection from those things that seek to destroy our lives. So we call out in prayer for help in resisting evil and resisting all forces of darkness that seek to destroy. So we know why we should pray. We know um, how Jesus teaches us to pray. Some other tips I would quickly say must include trying to get some focus to prayer, to go to a place at least once a day where you can. Just focus and put all distractions off. I know that's easier for some than for others. I think it's also good to write down some thoughts, maybe create a journal, write down the things that you feel God is saying to you. And maybe write down the people and things that you're praying for and look back to see what God is doing and how he's answered prayer. So in our worksheet, we provide some links for resources that you can use in prayer. And we'll come back soon with a new session looking at the importance of the church as the family of God. See you soon.